Welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex, I've approached back again. So, it's kind of a double whammy today. Uh, Thursday, we have the Giants game. We're not going live for that. Next Monday, though, me, Sean, and Luke are going live on Sportscaster. I'll send out the link and schedule, schedule the stream and everything. Um, that's going to be against the Buccaneers. So, it's kind of like 2018 again where we have the Thursday night game against the Eagles. But we have a following Monday night game. That was against the Falcons. This one's against the Bucks. But what I mean by double whammy is... Is that, you know, I have to go over, you know, the Washington game uh, in a bit of a further analysis and explanation. And then we got the preview for the Eagle game on Thursday. So, let's get right into it. I'm going to discuss something at the end. Um, probably go on a rant, but let's, you know, let's get in our stuff right away. So, positives. Uh, Matt Parrott, he played well when he came into the game and started at left tackle. He played well against Chase Young. He saw... Uh, a lot of Montez Sweat, I don't know if it was actually Chase Young, but he did see a lot of Montez Sweat, and I saw some, you know, good stuff, especially from the film, um, when, you know, especially when his first drive, um, he played very well against Montez Sweat, uh, Blake Martinez and James Bradbury, they look good again, I'm gonna get into something dealing with Blake Martinez as well, uh, Bradbury, a little bit in there, but it's not so much him, Leonard Williams, he had five pressures, he had a hell of a day, uh, five pressures, I think it was like two QB hits and one sack. Lewis, Ryan Lewis, he's gotten better as you know the weeks go. Uh, he didn't necessarily have the greatest week in Dallas. Uh, he had an okay week when it came to uh, the Rams, but he's definitely getting better at cornerback too. Is he the long-term option? I don't think so. I think they should go out and draft one. But right now, you know, there's no such thing as a bye week draft. So let's keep going. Now... I'm not going to demean Giants fans here, but everybody's given more credit to Tay Crowder uh, than to Kyler Frackle. I think they should deserve equal credit or maybe a little bit more to Ty Crowder uh, because if it wasn't for Kyler Frackle, that sack would not have been created. The fumble would not have been, you know, would not have happened. And Ty Crowder would never had returned it. So Kyler Frackle, he got the QB hit, the forced fumble the sack, and Ty Crowder returned it for a touchdown. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but, you know, you guys know who I'm talking about. The running game sparked. Uh, they really didn't pass it a lot. I'm going to get into that in the negatives. But the Giants didn't really pass it as much as I expected. They only passed it 19 times. They ran it 26 times, which was really surprising. But if you look at the time of possession and, like, you know, probably the play breakdown... I think they passed it 19 times. They ran it 26. So what's that a total? 45 offensive plays, something like that. Um, I don't know if I'm like missing anything, but that just shows you that the Giants were not on the side of time of possession, which is a big thing. But uh, going back to the run game, Daniel Jones, he had that 149-yard run that faked out everybody, including that bitch Landon Collins. Uh, he had seven carries for 74 yards, 10.6 yards per carry. Uh, Devonta Freeman, everybody was doubting him before the game. Oh, Devonta Freeman, he's not getting done the job. He should have signed Le'Veon Bell. 18 carries, 61 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. You could see a little jiggle in his move, especially one of the first runs he had. You know, he, um, I think he looked on the inside and then cut to the uh, left outside part. I mean, that's not really a good description, but if you watch the highlights, if you watch the game, uh, you'll know the run I'm talking about. And then Darius Slayton, he had one rush for negative three yards. That was on the double end around. They flipped it to Ingram, and Ingram flipped it to Slayton, and unfortunately, that did not work. Now, I'm going to go to the negatives. Now, excuse me one second here, because I kind of want to get a drink before I start going into this. Poland Spring tastes good when it's cold. Anyway, so the Daniel Jones red zone interception. Um, obviously, that was a bad call by the referees. You know, everybody's going to say that. But Daniel Jones should have thrown it farther back into the end zone. So Kendall Fuller did not have a chance of getting it. Or maybe he should have thrown it to the left side of the end zone. I don't know. But that was just a mistake. You can't make that throw. I get Caden Smith, you know, allowed a pressure from that side from Chase Young, which was a key pressure because it was a turnover. Um, but you can't make that throw. You cannot make that throw. And I'm going to discuss that, especially when we're going into the... Uh, the keys to win. You can't be, you know, having ridiculous turnovers when you're throttling down the field. You have the lead, and then you just throw red zone interception. He's had what three, four, th- three, four uh, red zone interceptions this year. 
Uh, you could count one against the Pittsburgh Steelers with the Cam Haywood interception. You also had the one against the um, the Rams winning the game. And you also had uh, this one. So it's three red zone interceptions this year. And everybody was talking before the season that he didn't have a red zone interception uh, going back to his sophomore year in college. So that's really something he's going to have to do. And it's not just red zone interceptions. It's not just red zone fumbles. It's everything. You, we got to have a game uh, again and like the Redskins game last year, um, that was away, and we won an overtime where he tossed like five touchdowns, I believe. Y- you can't. You have to have a game where you don't have any turnovers. Eli Manning had that even at the end of his career. You have to have a game, especially in your second year, where you don't turn over the ball. Now, the respect for him, I'm going to get to that like later on. It's going to be towards the end of the episode, so stick around for the whole thing. Uh, Joe Judge's lack of aggressiveness. Now, I'm not going to say that Joe Judge is a bad coach. I'm not going to jump to any narratives. But let's address something. So, it was going down, I think it was like the second quarter maybe. Um, But we were striving downfield. And there was a two-yard loss on a run. Then we had a Daniel Jones-like QB draw that got him about to the two-yard line. So, it was fourth down. And Joe Judge didn't go for it. And this was 4th and 2 from like the goal line. I'm thinking, you're 0-5 and you're not going for it. See, you know, you can't play conservative when your team is addicted to losing. You can't do that. And, you know, as I said, I'm not going to defend Joe Judge here. It's, you know, that was just, that decision was his fault. You know, there's really um, no defense coming in for that. You just have to be aggressive in that situation because that way you could spark your offense up. Maybe, you know, they get momentum going to the next drive. You know, this is just um, simple stuff that really should be addressed. And, you know, it's not something, I guess, in a mindset that comes overnight. But I guess, you know, situation-wise, it depends. Um, and you also had that one, which was a fourth and two. And this is a different one, where I think Devonta Freeman was stopped short on a run. And it was fourth and two, and instead of going for it, uh, he elected to punt and take the delay of game. So it just didn't make a lot of sense. Those two moves were really, really didn't uh, sit well with me. No other receivers showed up. Now Slayton was the leading receiver, two receptions, forty-one yards, one being the twenty-three-yard touchdown. Golden Tate had one reception. I think Ingram had one reception for twenty-one yards. Um, he needs help. He needs help. I'm not going to say that, you know, some of his turnovers aren't his fault, but he needs help with the wide receiver position. And, you know, you could say, oh, Trevor Lawrence. You could say, oh, Panay Sewell. Well, you know what? Um, we can't just fix it in free agency. You need to draft a wide receiver that's going to be with him for probably about a couple of years. You can't just, you know, oh, free agency. Let's get Allen Robinson. Listen, he's a good receiver. Uh, is he Odell Beckham Jr.? No. Is he Jarvis Landry? No. I happen to think that Jarvis Landry's better, you know, when he's getting targeted. But, you know, I just don't like the free agency way of going about wide receivers. Golden Tate, he's been a disappointment this year. It just hasn't worked out. And they should trade him at the deadline. If they can't find a partner, release him at the end of the season. That's the way that is. And I was talking before, and I'm going to talk about it again. Only 112 passing yards on 19 attempts. That's like, I'm going to say 5 point something yards per attempt. I don't know what Jason Garrett is drawing up, but it needs to be more creative. Now, we get it all the end around, uh, the deep ball. um, But, you know, keep him going on the play action, the run plays, you know, where he fakes it to Freeman and goes downfield. Uh, The run pass option, excuse me. So, you know, you see his weaknesses and you see his, like, you know, not weaknesses. uh, I can't even... Uh, think of the word right now because I'm just you know throwing thoughts out of my head but it's not the preseason no more this isn't you know week four this isn't week three you know I get it we didn't have any off season but like you know you had the first four weeks to at least game plan and we're still adjusting to what he's good at it doesn't make a lot of sense and you know Jason Garrett's excuses are getting less and less valuable each week really and Again, nearly let Washington back into the game. Everyone wants to compliment, oh, the defense did this, the defense did that. Listen, we're a middle-of-the-pack defense. Everybody's going to, you know, 
Everybody reasonable will come out and say that. We're not top 10, and we're certainly not at the bottom because, you know, they've kept us in games before. But we nearly let Washington back into the game. If Ron Rivera does not make that two-point conversion, in which he didn't, we won the game, obviously. But if he did, our offense would be charging down the field or have to. They would have to charge down the field and, you know, have a major task, have to win the game, you know. What if he, meaning Daniel Jones, is stuck at their own 49-yard line? What are you going to do? Kick a freaking 70, 80-yard field goal? No, you're not. You're going to have to go for it on like a fourth down. So, you know, we can't be letting Washington back into the game like that. All these games, except for maybe the 49ers game, have been close. And, you know, we just, sometimes we need to go out there and be able to hold on to it or at least get back in the game. And that's going to, you know, come into especially what happens on Thursday. It's going to be scary, too. So I got some stats right here before we go over the injury report. Now, Jordan Ronan, who's a beat reporter for ESPN, does the uh, Giants. He said, how athletic is Daniel Jones? He came out with some stats yesterday. 20.64 miles an hour on the 49-yard run on Sunday, according to Next Gen Stats. So that's really, you know, impressive for at least Daniel Jones. And, you know, Darius Slayton called him Daniel Jackson. I said, okay, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. Uh, Jones has now three of top seven QB speeds recorded this season. And Lamar Jackson has the other four. So that's going to be interesting. You know, um, I'm not too much into, like, comparing how fast a quarterback is when he's on the run. But those are some interesting stats to put up. And he also said Giants used athleticism with three zone reads yesterday, meaning uh, Sunday, because this just came out yesterday. Uh, Jones kept it all three times for 60 yards, uh, called nine zone reads this season, and Jones has kept it seven times for 101 yards and handed the ball off twice to the running back for eight yards. So clearly the zone read works. Um when you're at least getting the ball and you're not giving it to the running back. So, you know, it depends what the defensive end is looking. Is he looking at you? You give it to the running back. If he's, you know, reading inside, for lack of better words, and thinking the running back's going, you take it from the running back and then you go the other way. It's just, you know, it that's how it works. So some other points to make. Uh, PFF says that the Giants gave up nine pressures yesterday and others say they gave up five. So I don't know what PFF is doing. Maybe they categorize a pressure a different way. Uh, obviously, I mentioned one sack and five pressures for Lionel Williams. Bradbury, Ryan Lewis, Logan Ryan, and Kyler Fackrell played every single defensive snap. 71 snaps yesterday. Bradbury allowed five receptions. Uh, I don't know how many yards, but he was targeted seven times. Also to note, Logan Ryan allowed a touchdown, eight receptions, uh, on nine targets. So, I'm going to get into that. And also, if you look at some line stats, or just some stats in general, O-line apparently allowed 10 pressures. You know, that's going back to PFF, and uh, I think it's the Giants newspaper podcast who posted this. Uh, O-line allowed 10 pressures. Hernandez allowed three. Thomas allowed three. So, that's not good, um, especially when you're coming from the inside. You know, pressures from the outside are at least more, I would say, um, I wouldn't say acceptable, but like, you know, more understanding because outside pressure, you could just step up in the pocket. You're screwed if your tackles and your guards are giving up pressure because you have nowhere to go. You have to come out of the pocket. Uh, Matt Parrott received more snaps than Andrew Thomas, 26 to 22. So obviously, um, along with the benching, Joe Judge seems to like Matt Parrott a little bit. He came into the game after Andrew Thomas was in, and I think it was like the third quarter. He played very well there too. Jones, only one attempt of more than 20 yards. That's a Slayton touchdown. Where, what are we doing, guys? And I'm talking to Jason Garrett, you know. Um, actually, that, I don't think is true, to be honest. Because you look at the 21-yard reception by Ingram. That's the other attempt of over 20 yards. That was 21 yards. So it didn't make any sense there. I just thought about that now before I started reading it. But, you know, only two attempts downfield? Come on. I mean... Again, going back to my point earlier, we are over the preseason, quote, quote. We are over the offseason, quote, quote. Um, and you, we're still trying to figure out what we're good at. We're going into week seven on a short week, and we're still figuring that out. doesn't make a lot of sense. Missed tackles, 14, 
21 total pressures on the Washington offense. Uh, that's not good. Missed tackles. Crowder has missed a lot of open field tackles. Now, I don't know like the specific number all year, but in this game, he had four. Logan Ryan had three. So both of them need to sure up the tackling. Uh, better open field tackles. Both can cover. Uh, Crowder, you know, he hasn't been able to shed blocks yet in the run game, but I saw one play where it was J.D. McKissick in the backfield. He was running to the left, and Crowder just flat out dived and splattered onto the turf, for lack of better words, and, you know, he just blatantly missed the tackle. So when you're an inside linebacker, that can happen, but obviously, you know, he's done some good things for the Giants, so it's not necessarily, oh, he's a bust. Well, you know, he's a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. Is he Mr. Irrelevant? We'll see. So for the injury report, um, this is combined yesterday and today. CJ Board, he had a neck injury, obviously, going back to um, Sunday's game. And now it's a concussion also as well. So he did not practice. I don't expect him at all to have a uh, full go or to go and be ready for Thursday's game. Uh, Adrian Colbert, shoulder injury, did not practice. I don't expect him to go. Take Crowder. Um, that's going to be something because David Mayo will probably get snaps. Hopefully not Devontae Downs. Hopefully. Cross your fingers. Hopefully. I don't want to see him getting snaps. I really don't because, you know, um, this offense, I believe, is one of the best in the league in running the football. And Miles Sanders is not going to be there. It's probably going to be Boston Scott and whatever running back they have. So if Devontae Downs misses an open field tackle, I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be slamming... Uh, whatever I have in front of me. I'll be slamming a football or whatever. People are going to be telling me to calm down. I'm not going to calm down. Um, let's see. Ernie Holmes, neck. He did not practice yesterday. He was limited today. We'll see. Um, according to Paul Schwartz, same with this injury. Darius Slayton, his foot injury, he's limited. Both of them are expected to give it to go on Thursday, which is a good thing. Deion Lewis, his hand, full practice. I don't know what hand injury that was. But um, Sterling Shepard, I'm going to talk about this now. And it's going into my points to make. Um, I would not force Sterling Shepard to come back. I would not. You know, it's a great thing, you know, that the division is open because the Cowboys are a clown show right now, especially what after, um, especially what happened after last night with them being crushed by the Cardinals, who are a good team. And, you know, I kind of really didn't say that at the beginning of the season. And now every player's come out, you know, revolting against Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff. Meanwhile, Mike McCarthy had this thing in the offseason of, like, 2019 where he was watching film and trying to adjust to the new game. Apparently, you know, he can't do that. So, with this Sterling Shepard thing, look, um, they designated him to return from IR. They have an open roster spot. Will he come back? I don't know. To be honest, I would save him for Monday night. Um, You know, I'm not saying this game don't matter. I would like to win against the Eagles. You know, it's beating a rival that we haven't beaten in nearly four years. Um, especially going back to the last time we beat them in Philly. You know, that was, what, 2013? So that's really interesting there. But if you cannot bring Shepard off IR, get Benjamin Victor or Derek Dillon. Don't be sitting here uh, making only four wide receivers active if that's many, if it's that many. Slayton, Tate, um, Slayton, Tate, Mack, and I can't think of the other one. I don't know why I can't right now. I'm probably forgetting somebody. And I am. Uh, it's Mac, Slayton, and Tate. And again, I would probably have to go back and check. I'm missing somebody. I know I am because I'm pretty sure there's going to be more than five, uh, more than four wide receivers active or more than four wide receivers on the roster. But my point is, you know, bring one of those guys up. You, If you get a free agent, you're going to have to go through this whole process Oh, uh, is he COVID positive? Does he test positive for COVID-19? Is he good with the physical? You know, just bring him up for the practice squad. It's not going to hurt. And you can return them literally when um, the game is over. So it's not going to be a whole bad thing. Uh, Jones needs to have games where he does not turn over the football. This is my points to make. Obviously, the Benjamin Victor was first. So he needs to have this game very soon and hopefully on Thursday. You can't be turning over the football, especially when you're in tight games. Your team is trying to build a culture, trying to win, and your GM's job is on the line. And, you know, I get it. 
no off season. Uh, the system, you know, Jason Garrett's putting up doesn't seem to be fitting so far, but he's adjusting. Yeah, we can know. We we see that he's making those throws, the deep balls. Uh, all of his passing touchdowns this season, I'm pretty sure, have been to Darius Slayton. So there's something there. There is something there. You can't tell me there's not. If you put, you know, valuable wide receivers in front of him, sure he'll throw to them. But those two coming from the same draft class mean a lot. Uh, also, my other points to make, we need to stop being conservative at 1-5. and five. And we need to do better in the red zone. More aggressiveness from Joe Judge. You know, this season, and I have the stats right here, we are 31st in the red zone with offense. And I'm saying touchdown. I'm not saying field goal. Because Graham Gano has 51 points this season accounted for. And I believe the Giants have scored something like 75 or 80. Um, They're 25% touchdown percentage in the red zone. When was that touchdown, you ask? That touchdown, I believe, was with the Deion Lewis touchdown. It wasn't the Slayton touchdown. Actually, it was uh, going back to the second touchdown against Pittsburgh. So that's two. Uh, You also have the Ingram touchdown, the rushing touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys. And... I can't think of anything else. Oh, the Devonta Freeman touchdown, too. So that's like 4 for 12, I'm going to say. I'm not really, you know, uh, confined with my math there. But it's like 4 for 16, actually. So we've had 16 shots, I think. You know, don't quote me on it. At the red zone, and only 4 touchdowns. We have to be more aggressive. Jason Garrett needs to do a better job play calling. Jones needs to not turn it over. And and also, Joe Judge needs to be more aggressive. What was our red zone percentage last season? I'm not making this up. At least I don't think I am because I looked this off a website. Last year, the Giants, 57.14% in the red zone with touchdowns. That's a significant improvement from the year before. And it's a downgrade this year. And that was with the Pat Shermer offense. So, you know, my another point, my other point, unwrap Matt Parrott. Now, everybody's going to say, oh, uh, why didn't you say uh, Thomas should start at right tackle at the beginning of the season? Who's your alternative? Cameron Fleming. Matt Parrott, he's shown some good stuff at left tackle. Even in the two snaps he played against San Francisco. You know, he's shown some good stuff. You put Thomas on the right side, you, you know, his confidence will start rising a little bit. His play will start rising a little bit, especially in the run game. You know, Zeitler can help him out. And it's not just a rookie with a um, a three-year guy. And I'm not saying that Will Hernandez should be disrespected. You know, he's gotten criticism this season. Some of the times, you know, it's deserved. But, you know, Thomas hasn't played well. And Parrott has a left tackle. So does a switch work? I would try it. See what Nick Gates does. Really. Uh, we need wideouts. I stressed this earlier. Uh, you have to draft a wide receiver next year. I don't care if you draft them in the first round, the second round, the third round. One of those rounds, you have to take a wide receiver. Defensive end, yes. But we're getting pressure. We're getting sacks. I like that. But, you know, we have to have wide receivers other than Darius Slayton. He's a good number two. And he's had two games this season over 100 yards. So, you know, you can't rely on him all the time. Let's take a look this season. He's already got 400 yards. Great. 400 yards through six games. I mean, that's good to my standards. You look at the rest of the crew. Not even 200 yards. Evan Ingram, 177. Golden Tate, 156. Sterling Shepard, 76. Obviously, he's injured. Uh, Damian Ratley had 63, obviously. Austin Mack had one, obviously. And this is all, like, the receiving categories. Is Ingram effective? Honestly, um, I've run out of my patience with Evan Ingram so you know I would like to trade him at the deadline I've run out of my patience I'm sorry I've run out of patience with him you know I've been hearing the last couple of seasons last two really this season last season oh Ingram's gonna get better at blocking oh he's not gonna drop passes oh he's not gonna do this he's gonna be good sorry not on that train anymore you know especially with this regime and I'm talking Gettleman he wanted to get rid of so many Reese players, and he did. He kept Wayne Gorman, Dalvin Tomlinson, Evan Ingram, and Sterling Shepard. 
kept those guys. Evan Ingram is not making a good case right now. Because, you know, according to Dan Graziano of ESPN, Dave Gettleman's going to get fired after the season, most likely. So, Wayne Gallman might be gone. Evan Ingram might be gone. Sterling Shepard might be gone. Those three guys. Dalvin Tomlinson might not even be gone. Because you're going to have to pay Leonard Williams, who's on the franchise tag right now. He's playing really good. Uh, is he Khalil Mack money? Absolutely not. Because, you know, he doesn't come off the edge and you don't plan against him. I've said this how many times? I'm going to say it again. Giants defense is not something you plan against. It's not like, oh, uh, they got Robert Quinn and they got Khalil Mack. You know, uh, put your best tackles on the right side. Uh, do this, do that, and the other thing. No, they don't do that with the Giants. Yes, the Giants are one of the leaders in pressures. Uh, they also are one of the leaders in sacks. But, you know, you're not looking for that one guy. It's multiple. That's my point. But, again, you know, Evan Ingram, going back to the Reese conversation, he made it out of how many players were washed from that regime. So, you know, he's going to have to play better. He's going to have to play better. He's going to have to put up a 1,000-yard season for the Giants to keep him. But I honestly don't think that, that even that would save him. Uh, Giants and Eagles preview, so we're going to get into that now, uh, 27 minutes through, or how many minutes we've been, uh, I still have to edit this, so it's probably not going to be 27 minutes, uh, stock up, Matt Pear, Blake Martinez, James Radbury, Darius Slayton, Devonta Freeman, stock middle, now, I'm doing this because I really don't do this, and, you know, it's kind of mixed results, Logan Ryan gave up eight receptions on nine targets, I didn't see the yards, so I can't say, oh, you know, he's a horrible cornerback, He's a playmaker. Yes, we know that. But eight receptions on nine targets, that's not necessarily good. And he also gave up the most receptions in the league last year. So, you know, that's why I see Stock Middle, because he was a playmaker. Uh, he had that one key pass deflection in the end zone. And he also had, you know, eight receptions against him. So that's not really good. Um, it's That's why I say Stock Middle. You know, did something good, did something bad. Tay Crowder, obviously the 48-yard return touchdown or how many yards that was, whatever, you know, still good for Tay Crowder, returns his house, maybe he's not Mr. Irrelevant, but the open field tackling needs to get better. If you're an inside linebacker and if you're going to be a playmaker for this team or you're going to be tackling for this team, special teams, I don't care, whatever, you need to get better at tackling because that's like a key. You know, you could cover, you could be good in zone, you could be good in man. You know, those are step two and three. Tackling has to be there. This is my stock middle. Stock down. Golden Tate, David Mayo, and Cam Fleming. A couple of missed tackles for David Mayo. I just didn't really see a lot out of him uh, going back to the Washington game. And I don't know how many snaps he played. Obviously, he came out of IR. Uh, Cam Fleming, he also got beat by Ryan Kerrigan on that first drive, making the Giants uh, go for a field goal. And I did say, look, you know, uh, Jones had room in front of him, but Cameron Fleming got beat by... A Giants-killing pass rusher, also known as Ryan Kerrigan, who's had 93 sacks in his career. So, you know, people still making this Cameron Fleming argument, oh, he's a veteran. Yeah, what the fuck does that do for a team that's looking for the future? I just don't understand people's mentality. You know, throw an argument at me, then we could have a conversation. But if you're going to throw something senseless like that, you're not winning that argument. I'm sorry. Golden Tate, one reception. Been absolute dog shit for the Giants this season. Absolute dog shit. And I'm not gonna sit here and, you know, defend him. Oh, he's a veteran. Oh, he's this and that. No. Absolute fucking disgrace. Absolute fucking disappointment. Okay, so now for stats time. Obviously, uh, really every Thursday, really Friday, I mean, sometimes I'll pre record. But, you know, every preview I'll come up with stats. Obviously, as I said, I'm doing a double whammy today. So, the Giants in total yards, and I'm talking offense first. Uh, they are 30th, 1,652. They are 31st in yards per game, 275.3. Passing yards, 27th, 1,125. They rank 30th in passing yards per game, 187.5. Rushing yards are 29th, 527. They rank 30th in rushing yards per game. 87.8, and also points, 101, they rank 31st with 16.8 points per game. Now look at the defense, as I said, they are middle of the pack. Uh, the total yards, they are 18th, 2,052 yards given up total this season. They are 12th in total yards per game, 
with 342. Passing yards are 21st, 1,413. However, they are 16th with 235.5 per game. Rushing yards, they are 13th, 639 given up. They are 8th, but they are 8th with 106.5 given up per game. Points, they are 21st, uh, 152 total, but 16th and 25.3 points given up per game. Now look at the Eagles' offense. Uh, total yards, they are 22nd, 1,976. And then you look at total yards per game. 27th, 329.3 per game, which is better than the Giants, I believe. Uh, passing yards, they are 23rd, 1,242. And they also have... They also average 207 per game. That's 26th. Rushing yards, they are 10th, 734. And also, they are 13th uh, with 122.3 for the game. And also, you look at the points. Uh, they are 21st, 141, and 23.5 per game, which is 22nd in the league. Defense, 21st in total yards 2131 but 17th in 355.2 yards given up per game also look at the passing game they are 19th giving up 1378 passing yards per season this season 12 they rank 12th in the league with 229.7 given up per game rushing yards are 21st 753 given up 24th 125.5 given up per game uh, that counts to obviously you know the total rushing yards given up per game points 25th 175 given up this season but they are ranked 23rd with 29.2 given up each game so i'm gonna make some points and then i'm gonna go to the keys to the game so points to make zach Ertz and miles sanders will be out but we've been you know thrown this situation before especially the last year and especially against the 49ers now, Carson Wentz, he's not what he used to be. Um, he's been really horrible this season. I mean, last game, he actually didn't do that bad. Made some key throws, wide receivers dropping passes like usual because Philly doesn't know how to get a wide receiver. Uh, the starting offensive line's makeshift. Jordan Malata, the former rugby player, is the left tackle. The left guard is Nate Erbig. Uh, Jason Kelsey is the center. Jamon Brown, the former giant, is the right guard. Uh, he played a little bit for the Giants in 2018. And then Jack Driscoll, the rookie, I believe, out of Auburn, I think is the right tackle. And then Fletcher Cox, he has one and a half sacks this season, eight pressures. That's the same as Leonard Williams, by the way. So let's go ahead and do our keys to the game. Uh, number one, pressure Carson Wentz. Makeshift offensive line, Carson Wentz doesn't do good under pressure. Yes, he's elusive out of the backfield when he runs, but... If you pressure him early, he will look horrible. Washington, they got eight sacks on that offensive line. And mind you, some of their starters were in. I think Lane Johnson was in. Actually, let me take that back. It was Jack Driscoll and Nate Erbig on the right side. But Jason Peters was in left tackle. I don't know if someone, I don't know if Sumalo was the left guard, but he's not the left guard right now, so he's probably injured. Um, but you have to get the pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, obviously that applies to every standard, every game. But pressure affects every quarterback differently. With this one, you know, he does really bad under pressure. And we've seen it. You know, he's thrown eight touchdowns, nine interceptions this season. I think he has the highest with three in one of his games. I can't say for sure. But he was sacked eight times. Eight against the Washington team. Number two, stop the run. Um, Giants... Let's see where they are. They are 8th in yards per game when it comes to the rushing game. And also, they are 13th when it comes to total allowed. So, they're not as bad as they were, I would say, at the beginning of the season. But we, again, we've thrown, again, we've been thrown this bone before. When Miles Sanders, I believe he was out last year. What's his face? Boston Scott ran all over the defense. We couldn't stop the run for shit. You know, with the second half especially, because that's how they beat us um, with the run game. And then they started incorporating the pass game a little more, and Zachert scored the touchdown, and we lost. And, you know, that comes to every time we go to Philly, at least the last two years. We've had leads, and we've blown them. Actually, going back to 2017, too, because we had a lead there. 
So yeah, we gotta stop the run, especially with this makeshift offensive line again. Number three, no Danny Dimes turnovers. This is probably not gonna happen, but at the same time, I want it to happen, meaning that Daniel Jones does not have a turnover. Um, he had, I think, a fumble against them last year in the final game, I want to say. I think he might have had an interception too. I have to look at the stats. But this game has a reasoning behind it. We live in the worst division possible in the NFL. So we're trying to compete and we're trying to build a culture. And we're trying to supposedly win the division. Cop Pizzle said it best. You cannot win football games and be competitive until you beat your rivals. We beat Washington. Um, I don't know when was the last time we got swept by them. So that's been a long time. Um, 2018 we got beat once, but we also won once against Washington. Last year was twice that we beat Washington. And we beat Washington once this year. So we clearly have a number on them. But the Eagles and the Cowboys, we haven't beat them since 2016. That's where your winning starts. You can't beat people um, outside the division. You're never going to beat the people inside the division. You know, it's it's a process. If you can't beat your rivals, you're not going to beat people outside the division. That will happen sometimes. Happened with the Bucks game last year. Sorry, it doesn't always occur to that be that way. It doesn't always occur to be that way. But, again, we don't need any cautious turnovers. Whether it's Daniel Jones fumbling the football... Whether it's the offensive line not protecting and somehow they get to him, fumble football, maybe it's a touchdown, I don't know. And, you know, whether it's a costly interception or we're leading by like two touchdowns or something, I don't think that would be the case. And he throws an interception, they're back into the game. That can't happen. And I get it, again, for the 90th time, no offseason, this, that, and the other thing, new system. But you can't make these mistakes. You can't. It sucks. He's not getting help around him. You know, his offensive line has been subpar this season. Probably one of the worst in the league. Also compared to the fact that his wide receivers fucking suck are the outside Darius Slayton. So, you know, Daniel has to make the best situation uh, of what he's got. And, you know, the expectation is so high because he's the sixth overall pick of last year's draft. And, you know, it's just going to be another point to make. And also... While I have this, it's also a point to make, but at the same time, I didn't list it in my three keys to win. We need to stop the offense on third down. We need to do that. We are 31st when it comes to um, third down percentage against. 53.75. We had a far better percentage last year, 39.81. And it seems so bad, you know... Last year, especially at times when the defense wasn't good, that we were giving up constant third down, third down, third down, third down, third down, third down, third down. But this year, you know, that's just one of our weak spots. We have to stop the run on third down, or we have to stop the pass on third down. It just seems evident that every time, you know, maybe they're fourth, maybe they're third and like 19, maybe they're third and 14, maybe they're third and five. We have to stop third down. Because that is how they get more time of possession. That's how we get less offensive drives. That's how we don't win the game. Now, the Eagles this season, they are 11th in offensive, you know, getting a first down after third down, for lack of better words. You know, third down conversions, their percentage is 45.35% behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have one of the best offenses in the league. So we have to stop them on third down I don't care how you do it especially the last game with Philly 25% on third down and you know you could say oh their offense sucks no not totally not quite other than their wide receivers because they faced a Baltimore defense that's like one of the best in the league so you know let's clear that up but that's pretty much my preview now I'm going to talk about something before I end this podcast episode I know it's a little longer than I anticipated but let's get it through so, I have tremendous respect for Doug Peterson as the Eagles coach. He's got a tough situation. His fan base is a bunch of clowns. Um, and, unfortunately, they're very much underperforming this year. So, Jim Schwartz comes out, their defensive coordinator, 
and he says, uh, somebody asked him, what do you think of Daniel Jones? He says, well, he's their lead rusher. That's throwing shade at Daniel Jones. Now, obviously, in my opinion, I think Jim Schwartz is a scumbag. You know, he got one winning season out of the Detroit Lions. Now, I'm not going to, you know, go back into his head coaching career, but that I did. What ticks me off even more is that you'll have the Giants fans, and two of them, I think, there's more, actually, but one says, oh, how could you respect Daniel Jones? And uh, someone said, well, I couldn't imagine that. Are you a fucking fan of the team or you're not? I'm sorry. But I get you are angry about this team. I get that, you know, you want another quarterback. I get it. But if you're suffering so much, and if you feel like we shouldn't have won last game, go be a fucking Jets fan. Go be a fucking Jets fan. My brother and so many other Jets fans watch half the game, and then when the Jets are out of it at halftime, they shut the fucking TV off. I'm a fan that sits there for the whole game. That including the 49er game, that including the Rams game from, you know, two years ago, three years ago, I don't care. You know, I get it, this organization hasn't been the best in the league for some time now, for this decade, whatever, but, you know, oh, we're gonna tank. You're losing and you're complaining about losing. It's like, you can't be happy with a little bit of, um, false hope for lack of better words. You can't be happy. Because if we win a game, you're going to be like, oh, we should tank. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, we should lose. You're going to be mad about that. But if we lose, you're going to complain. So what's, you know, pick a fucking side. If you want to tank, go be a Jets fan. If you want to tank, go be a Jets fan. Because I'm sorry, Dave Gettleman is not tanking his career. He wants to make it the best as possible before he retires or before he gets fired. He's going to get fired at the end of the year. I'm sorry. That's just going to happen. But if you want to see what the Jets are doing, if you want to have no faith in this organization or the future, go be a Jets fan. Because every single player in that locker room right now fucking resents Adam Gase. Adam Gase should be fired right now. He should be fired. I'm not a fucking Jets fan. I see what's going on. He should be fucking fired. It's unfortunate that fucking Joe Douglas is a wuss and he won't fire the man who got him his job. I'm sorry. You know, you could say, oh, you're not a Jet fan, you don't understand. Right, I don't understand. But at least I'm happier and I like my situation even more when I have some some when I have some talent around me. Okay. Uh the defense is getting better. The offense, yeah, I get it. You know. I don't have a problem with some people that want Trevor Lawrence. Those are the people that want Jones to succeed, and if he doesn't succeed, and we go two and fourteen, and we get the first overall pick deservingly, they want Trevor Lawrence. Okay, I respect that. But if you want to tank for Trevor Lawrence, cheat the fucking system, and want your team to lose, so you want somebody that you don't know how is that you don't know how he's gonna perform in the NFL, I'm sorry. You you really don't pay attention to sports. Because one of the reasons, the hidden reasons, the NHL and the NBA have the draft lottery is so you don't fucking tank. So you're not the Knicks. So let's cut the crap everybody here and you know, at least have some faith in your quarterback. I'm not saying you have to say, oh, he's going to be the best thing since popcorn. I'm not going to say, oh, you have to put every single ounce of faith in him. But he's your team's quarterback. You decided to root for this team. You put your heart and soul in this team. And if you're not going to root for this team, go be a Jets fan. And better yet, for the people that say, oh, uh, Giants fan, Giants fans, I'm talking about you guys, the ones who, uh, you know, like the trash talking, want to sit on Jim Schwartz's side, why don't you go be an Eagle fan? Why don't you do that? Why don't you trash stores, uh, when, why don't you burn down your whole city once you guys win a Super Bowl again? Why don't you, uh, beat up police horses? Why don't you boo Santa Claus? Why don't you throw beers at people? Hmm? Why don't you beat up your own fans? You want to really be part of that? You really want to be part of that? Eagles fans will complain to the highest extent if their team is like 3-3. They will complain to the highest extent. You know what the Eagle fans did? Once Nick Foles left and they didn't resign him, they're like, oh my god, Nick Foles, he's such a trash quarterback. He literally won you guys your first Super Bowl. 
So, you, you know, you're saying he's trash now, but literally Carson Wentz is not performing. Does he have a lot of weapons? No. But I'm just so tired. You know, again, you could be mad at Daniel Jones. You could be mad at the way he plays. But personally, if you're throwing personal shade at him, you have to be, you know, ignorant. You have to be ignorant and say, oh, I want Trevor Lawrence. You know, some of my rant may not have been the best wording. But, you know, it just sickens me. It really sickens me because there are literal organizations out there who are begging for wins, who are begging, you know, for good players. And we have some good players on this football team. Name me one star on the Jets right now. Name me one star. Le'Veon's gone. Jamal's gone. They traded a locker room guy in Steve McClendon. Can't say Sam Darnold's a star. Can't say that. Because he's been injured more than he's played. Who do they have? Frank Gore? A 37-year-old running back who's going to wait out his career for his son to come out of college? Who do they have, guys? Right. So, you're literally sickening about a team that's 1-5. Now, I get this point. I get it that maybe we should have two or three more wins. I get it. But when... The Jets fans were bragging about their season. I'll uh, finish 6-2 and two at the end of the season. You know, we're going to go into next year. And, you know, we're going to be one of the best teams in the league. You know, I'm not going to say Jets fans or all Jets fans said that. But when you're being miserable like a Jets fan, go be a Jets fan. When you're saying and really, I would say, complaining about real stuff, real giant fan problems like Daniel Jones turning over the football, Uh, Wide receivers, the offensive line, sometimes the defensive inconsistencies, the lack of aggressiveness by Joe Judge. Those are points to bring up. But if you don't have faith in this team, if you get so much pain by rooting for them, if you want them to tank for Trevor Lawrence and lose even more and complain about them, then go be a Jets fan. Go be a Bengals fan. Go be a Jaguars fan. Go be a fan of a team that's not even in the NFL. Go be a Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan. Go be a Knicks fan. Just sickens me the way people think. And then they want their team to do good under certain circumstances. But they won't call out uh, other circumstances. And, you know, it's kind of like a weakness in a way. Because, you know, rivalry, right? Eagles-Giants. Giants always talk smash. Giants fans always talk smash about the other team whether we suck or not the philly eagles they always talk smash i'm talking the fans they always talk trash and smash about the giants whether they're good or not that's the fun of a rivalry but if you're literally gonna sit here moping about this whole team and not calling out eagle fans for you know talking about how dak prescott should get hurt and talking about you know the uh the other stuff that's just outright wrong and what they do, and you're really going to sit there and agree with them that Daniel Jones shouldn't be respected, then why don't you go be an Eagle fan? <sighs> just sickens me. Just sickens me. If, you have, if any of you guys have a problem with this, you could DM me, DM me on Twitter and we could have a conversation. Honestly. Honestly. Because, you know, um, you know, the people who break down film and the people who do complain about the Giants but look at the film... Look at the stats. They have a right to. But they have faith in their team. Even if you're unbiased. Even if you're so-called unbiased and you have faith in the team and you think someone's going to be a good player but you complain about how maybe Daniel Jones is fumbling the football, how Andrew Thomas is struggling. You know, I could respect that. But if you're going to sit here moping, oh, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, when literally um, Eli was the problem apparently and now he was towards the end of his career. You know, his play wasn't the best. Okay, his play wasn't the best. And then we get Jones. And, you know, he's starting to fumble a little more. But we're going to keep blaming the quarterback, guys. Until we get a big-name guy. Until we get a big-name guy, we're going to keep complaining and complaining and complaining. That's the way the Giants fans do it. At least some of them. You know, not all of them, but some of them will sit there and complain for eternity. Whether it's about this, that, and the other thing, or, you know, you're just lucky to be a fan of a sports team in New York. And another thing I'll bring up, it's the level of patience of the New York media and the LA media. You know, 
you look at Pat Shermer, and you know, will I say that he was supposed to be fired? Yeah, I think I think he should have been fired. But also, Daniel Jones was his guy, and he was progressing more than he is right now. He's regressed. Yes, he had how many fumbles, you know, last year. But if Shermer was an offensive coordinator and not the head coach, maybe he would have made progress a little more. But because he was the head coach and he couldn't control what the defense was doing, it's unfortunate. But anyway, thank you guys for supporting. I know I went on a long rant. I know this episode is a little longer than anticipated. But I truly appreciate your support. Uh, I'm not going to be going live on Thursday. I'll be going live next Monday, though. Um, and then obviously the podcast episode out next Tuesday as well. Thursday, obviously, is the game. Friday, Jordan Levine's coming back on. We're going to talk some Giants. And uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting these next two weeks. And we get to see the evaluation part of this whole team. And we get to see how babies, and we get to see how, you know, how babyish these fans can be. Because, again, you know, some people are just ungrateful. Some people can complain. And you know what? Complaining is not necessarily the worst thing in the world uh, when you're complaining about the right stuff. But when you have no faith in somebody or when you're not respecting somebody uh, that plays for your team and you're not in that situation, it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, thank you guys for supporting. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, find our Sportscaster page. Podcast available on Spotify. Podcast available on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and all of the other platforms. Follow our Twitter and Instagram pages at Big Blue in the Bronx. Thank you guys, and we will see you on Friday.